là-dessus. Well, good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. Are you all ready for some cold weather? It's already here. It's going to come here if you're ready or not. Whether you are ready or not. Get that? Anybody get that? Weather. <laughs> Our speaker for this evening is Dr. Tom King. He is professor of Old Testament. Let's welcome Dr. King. Thank you, Dr. King, for bringing the word. Let us stand this morning, this evening. Whoa. This morning. Let us stand this evening as we worship in song. Hear, hear this song of praise from Isaiah. It says, Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and praise your name. For in perfect faithfulness, you have done marvelous things. You have been a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in his distress, and a shelter from the storm. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who's ever so faithful? A shelter for, for the, from the storm, a refuge for the poor, a refuge for the needy in distress. And through it all we can say, blessed be your name. Amen. Amen. He never lets us go. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. We live in a world that's full of all kinds of worries and anxiety. Just in this last month, two Amber Alerts ended in the death of young girls, one in Colorado, one in Oregon. Even if worry is not a part of your personality, there are plenty of anxieties in our world to create worry for even the strongest among us. Vulcans would be anxious in this society. My family labeled me a worrier years ago. When I was in high school, my mother bought me a little wax figurine, this little wax blob, with bumps all over it, and it came with the title, Worrywart. And it came with a little rhyme that said, Worrywart, wart of worry, take my troubles in a hurry. Even as an adult, every morning when I go running, I never leave the house without asking my wife to please pray no doggies. <laughs> when my children still lived at home, they never wanted me to read the newspaper because they knew it would prompt some new restriction about something they could not do or someplace they could not go because dad is worried something might happen. And it never helped when my mother explained, you know, worry only stresses the heart, because that made me worry about worrying. How do we survive the pressures, the stresses, the fears of this world? In Colorado Springs alone, every summer, 
There are warnings about squirrels carrying the plague, West Nile virus spreading through mosquitoes, bears loose on the west side of town, mountain lions on the hiking trails, hail damage to your cars and homes, all of this not to mention what's going on in the rest of the world, terrorism, economic crisis, crime, immorality, lack of jobs, lack of housing. How do we put up with all these anxieties? Now imagine if someone really wealthy came to you. A person who was rich and comfortable, they didn't have to work, they didn't have to go to school, they had no responsibilities, everything was handed to them. And if this person who was loved and cared for and pampered and guarded and protected from all pain, given all the money they needed, if this person said, I rejoice all the time and you should too, what would our response be? Probably a little bitterness, a little resentment. We'd say, let's see you rejoice after living through my experiences and the pressures of my life. On the other hand, what if this person telling you you should rejoice was poor and oppressed? If this person telling you to rejoice was writing to you from prison, if this person had been in and out of jails most of his adult life, falsely accused and had endured much pain and persecution. He'd been beaten and left for dead. If this person encouraged you to rejoice and said, I found a way to be content in every situation. There's a way to rejoice in the midst of life's pain and pressures. If this person claimed there's someone you can meet who will provide the strength for you to endure all things, now that's a person we might listen to. The life of the Apostle Paul, as we know, reflected that kind of difficulty, and he makes such a claim. His life reveals the secret of the ability to rejoice at all times. From a prison cell, Paul wrote these words to the Philippians. From Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 13. Paul writes from prison, Rejoice! Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. The things you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. 
I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can endure all things through him who strengthens me. Paul begins this passage with the words, Rejoice in the Lord always. He repeats it. Again I say, Rejoice. Now Paul knows the Philippians were not in the midst of what we would consider a joyous occasion. They were experiencing persecution for their faith. They were being burdened with Jewish laws and rituals. They were bickering among themselves. They were persecuted by neighbors and foreigners alike. They may have felt like responding to Paul by lashing out. We're losing our jobs, our friends, our family. We're enduring physical abuses. We can't even get along with each other. And you're expecting us to rejoice? Life's too rough. It's not fair. We're stressed. It's enough that we're keeping the faith under persecution. Don't expect us to be happy about it. Life is unfair. It is full of frustrations and barriers and walls and roadblocks. It's not easy to be adult students in this world. I can't keep up with school assignments. My boss at work isn't sensitive to my family needs. My wife and I are always tense and exhausted. I'm worried about the children and their schools. We're not keeping up with our financial needs. How can I possibly rejoice? In fact, if it weren't for the joy and inspiration of exegetical papers, life would be unbearable. <laughs> right? Nevertheless, Paul urges his readers to rejoice in trials. Despite his own being flogged and chained, imprisoned, hungry, without money, without friends, Paul still believed it was possible, even worthwhile, to rejoice. I know you're being threatened from outside the church. You can't get along inside the church, but rejoice. Paul's solution to anxiety Releasing joy is really quite simple. In fact, some might accuse him of being simplistic. He simply says, stop worrying and pray. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Tell everything to God. Pour out your heart to the Lord. The well-known blind musician, Stevie Wonder, put this very message into the lyrics of a song. He writes, There are people who have let the problems of today lead them to conclude that for them life is not the way, but every problem has an answer, and if yours you cannot find, you should talk it over to him. He'll give you peace of mind. When you feel your life's too hard, just go have a talk with God. Many of us feel we walk alone without a friend, never communicating with the one who lives within, forgetting all about the one who never, ever lets you down. And you can talk to him anytime. He's always around. When you feel your life's too hard, just go have a talk with God. 
He's the only free psychiatrist that's known throughout the world for solving the problems of all men, women, little boys, and girls. When you feel your life's too hard, just go have a talk with God. Paul claims the result of such conversation with God, such prayer, is a peace beyond our understanding. Peace in place of anxiety. It's an amazing miracle, a blessing when God's peace comes. In moments of my worst and highest anxiety, I've prayed and felt a peace that I did not understand because the stress didn't go away, the problem was still there, but I was fine with it. And I couldn't explain it except it was God's peace. Even so, I've never fully grasped how it is that some believers remain amazingly calm, even joyful, in the midst of overwhelming circumstances. Jamie has been one of our youngest daughter's best friends for the past 16 years. They met in the fourth grade at Wilson Elementary School. Over the years, they competed for the best scores in class. They shared sleepovers at each other's home. They played in the park. They went shopping together. They stayed in close communication through college. Jamie became another one of our virtual daughters, the close friend of one of our own girls, an extra daughter we were honored to share with her own parents. Just three years ago, Jamie was diagnosed with cancer, and she began a grueling series of treatments. She started appearing with wigs to compensate for lost hair, and she endured all those classic horrors of chemotherapy. At the beginning of last month, Jamie was told by her doctor that all those treatments were not doing any good. The cancer had aggressively taken over her body. They sent her home with hospice care, and they told this 25-year-old young woman to prepare to die. When she came to our house just one week after that, the cancer was protruding out of her chest in the form of a grotesque bruise. Tumors were beginning to strangle her throat. And as she and Kayla painted at our kitchen table, Jamie described to us the great joy she had just experienced that very weekend. She had fulfilled one of the wishes on her bucket list. She dressed up like a princess. She went to Chapel Hills Mall with her sister, and from her wheelchair with a tank of oxygen linked to her nose, Jamie handed out fresh roses to dozens of strangers wishing them a blessed day in a condition which would justifiably drive the best of us into self-centered, depressed seclusion. Jamie expressed this great joy in blessing other people. What is it? What is this inexplicable joy which can override the worst of our circumstances? This peace which passes understanding? 
Jamie would tell you, it's a peace from God. Two weeks later, Jamie went to be with our Lord, free now from all pain and sorrow. At 25 years of age, Jamie taught us how to die. And in doing so, she also taught us how to live with unexplainable joy in the midst of the most difficult circumstances. Like Paul, Jamie would tell you, that kind of joy comes from Jesus Christ, through whom we can endure all things. After dealing with anxiety, Paul continues to encourage Christians to be joyful and points them to focusing on the positive things in life. In our society, we must not only turn our anxieties over to God, we must also push aside all those negative influences. It's no surprise that people are riddled with ulcers and heart attacks and mental instability considering the things that fill our minds. Besides our own personal problems, we're immersed in a sea of distress. We're exposed to violence and immorality and murder and adultery and foul language and divorce and stealing and cheating and lying, a myriad of negative influences around us. In the streets, in the living room, on our televisions, in the magazines, at the movies, in the schoolyard. All of these negative influences need to be cleaned out of our minds. Now, I understand that all the evil in the world can't just be ignored. It, we can't pretend it doesn't exist. Yet as much as it is in our power, we need to avoid such things, not expose our minds and thoughts to impurities. Don't go there. Don't read that. Don't pick that up. Don't listen to that. We know what pollutes and what should be avoided. These influences may not completely disappear, but they can be removed from being the central focus of our minds. Of course, relieving your mind of worries, avoiding impurities, is only half the process. We know the mind can't go empty. It has to be refilled. And the Apostle Paul exhorts his readers to fill the mind with the right things. Verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. We need to focus on and seek out good and righteous things as the content which fills our minds. Read the Bible, sing a song of praise, worship the Lord, watch something inspiring and godly. Participate in blessing others. The real point here is not to allow the negative influences of society to push out God's peace. When we talk to God and empty our minds of negative influence and focus on pure and righteous things, we remain open to that peace of God. In relation to God's peace, Paul points to a source of strength from which he gains that foundational sense of joy. The source of joy was so powerful in Paul's life that he wrote with confidence, 
I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. He could maintain joy whether he possessed little or much, whether he was hungry or full, in pain or comfort. Evidence of Paul's claim is found in accounts such as that in Acts chapter 16. In fact, the incident there took place in Philippi itself, the place to which he is now writing in the letter to Philippians. Paul and Silas were dragged into the marketplace and beaten with rods. They're thrown into prison. Their feet are fastened in stocks. Now, at this point, most folks would just pass out. Paul and Silas, we are told, begin singing hymns, praising God as their blood flows behind prison walls. Now, either Paul was a lunatic or he truly encountered a foundational source of contentment. Paul points to the source of his strength in verse 13. I can endure all things through Christ who strengthens me. The source of strength which can produce joy in the midst of any trial is Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. No matter the situation, the presence of Christ makes all the difference. Pain and tribulation may not be removed, but it can be endured even with joy through Christ who strengthens us. We need only pray for God's peace, shift our focus from the anxieties of this world to the vast reality of God's great kingdom and the good news of his gospel in Jesus Christ. Paul Rees tells the story that occurred years ago in Russia under Stalin. Thirty Russian peasants met regularly in secret to worship God. One evening they were suddenly halted by a group of Stalin agents carrying guns. The leader of the group ordered that all the names of those in attendance be written down, all of those who were attending this illegal Christian gathering. After all the names were written down, an old man spoke up and said, there is one name you do not have. I have them all, snapped the officer. Believe me, said the peasant, there is a name you do not have. A recount was made, and the officer retorted, I told you, I've got them all, 30 names. The peasant insisted there was a name missing on the list. Finally, the officer gave in and said, all right, old man, who is it? The peasant spoke with courage and reverence. The Lord Jesus Christ is here. Oh, that's different, replied the officer. We must never forget the officer was right. That is different. It makes all the difference in the world when you recognize that Jesus Christ is here. We live in a world which too often crowds out the Lord. We have all of our coping devices and busyness which distract us from our fears, but only temporarily. We must focus our prayers, discipline our thoughts, and act in response to the reality of Christ in our world. To know the one who existed in the form of God but did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, who emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, who humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. To know the one who suffered death that we might live eternally to walk and talk and live with the Spirit of the Lord in us 
makes all the difference in the world. That kind of relationship prompts a foundational joy that overshadows any anxiety or pressure or demand in life. It's a joy not stemming from materialism or worldly pleasure, but a contentment grounded in the eternal love and promise of God. So walk in the strength that Christ brings. Pursue whatever call God has given you with joy and thanksgiving. We're called not just to survive, but thrive and enjoy this journey of life. With joy and thanksgiving to God, let us pursue the abundant life God has granted in whatever circumstance we find ourselves. Let us pray and receive the benediction. Our Lord, carry us forth in whatever situation you lead us with joy, with endurance, in the power of Christ and your wondrous Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.